0: church. What a a blessing to be here this morning. Uh, My name is Kenneth Aycock. I'm the area director for Families for Families. Uh, We're new to northwest Georgia, but not new uh, to Georgia. And I'll share more about what we do in just a moment. I'm going to ask, if you would, if you'd just join me in a word of prayer as we get started. And I'm going to ask you to pray something very specifically. Can you do that uh, for me this morning. Now, I'm not going to know whether you did that or not. I'm just going to ask you to. Whether you do it is up to you, but I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask you to pray something very specifically. It's a very simple prayer. Lord, speak to me today. Speak to my heart today and draw me closer to you. Can you do that? Lord, speak to me. Draw me closer to you. So would you bow your heads this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful to be in your house, thankful that we can sing your praises, Lord. We rejoice over the one that was baptized this morning, and God... As we enter in this time to look at your word, I pray a very simple prayer, God. Would you speak to all of us today, Lord? Would you draw us closer to you as we examine your word and what it says? Lord, your word is different than any other word. It is living and active. And God, I believe with all my heart that you want to say something to each one of us here today, that you want us to be drawn closer in our relationship with you. So we ask all these things and trust you with all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. As we get started this morning and talk about children are a gift from the Lord, I'm going to talk to you about a very specific group of children in just a moment, but God's Word has a lot to say about children. You can And there, there's a lot of examples, and I, just thinking about a few this morning, I, I thought about uh, Moses and how God used him from his very birth to impact the kingdom of Israel. When, he was, when, he was, when his mother set him in the basket and he went uh, down the river and Pharaoh's daughter Uh, found moses and how god brought him into pharaoh's home and god would eventually use moses to bring the the israelites out of captivity i think about what god's word says about each one of us as children how god is our creator and not only is it is he our creator psalm 139 tells us we are fearfully and wonderfully made and we think about god being our creator and how he knit us together in our mother's wombs and we think about these things i I thought about luke 18 Um, the bible says this in luke 18 it says then they also brought infants to him being jesus "uh, that he might touch them but when the disciples saw it they rebuked them now think about this we got parents bringing their children to jesus and the and the disciples did what so they rebuked them now that that doesn't make sense does it they thought that might be Jesus might be a little bit too busy for the kids but what did Jesus do this is what he says but Jesus called to uh, excuse me but Jesus called to them to call them to himself and said this let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for of such is the kingdom of God assuredly I say to you whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it so Jesus didn't want to uh, have any child hindered from coming to him but also he says for us for everybody we need to approach the kingdom of God with a childlike faith so it's very important uh, that we approach God in that way so you think about all these things and there's a lot of children in the bible but the child that changed all of our lives was our savior born as a child living a sinless life down on the cross for our sins So today, just like Jesus had a purpose, just like Moses had a purpose, all children have a purpose. All of us in here were once children, were once babies. And we think about the plans and purposes God has for our life, how we are to approach him, that he wants to use us for his purpose. Today, I wanna share with you about a specific group of children in our community families for families you might never have never heard of us before today like I said we're new to Northwest Georgia but we're not new to Georgia we started in 2017 we are a faith-based private foster care placement agency now the state refers to us as CPAs we're not accountants they refer to us as a child placement agency and the way it works is this when the, when uh, the state when the Department of Family and Children's Services remove children from the home And they enter into the foster care system they look and see if they have available foster homes and if they don't they contact private agencies like ours now I would just say this I I don't know about you have you ever had a word that that you really didn't understand what it means you ever had that happen to you now I've had some of that happen to me in my life 21 years ago I was an expert parent. Then 20 years ago, my daughter was born. I thought I knew what being a parent meant. Some of the parents are laughing. I thought I had being a father all figured out until I became one. I really didn't know what the word meant. It's not, uh, when I ask you if you know what the word means, it's not that I don't think that you're a smart person, but you don't live in that reality. You know, 24 years ago, I thought I had marriage all figured out. I was a marriage expert. And 23 years ago, I got married. And then I really found out, and I'm still finding out what it means to be married. So you think about all those things. I was the same way with foster care. I thought I knew what foster care meant. Now, I knew what the word meant. I knew what the word foster care meant, but I had no idea what it meant, what it truly means. And I find out more every day about what it means. I met Wayne Noggle, who's our founder at Families for Families, probably about 12 years ago, serving on staff. I was serving on staff at, at First Baptist Church in, in Snellville as our discipleship and missions pastor. And uh, one of my small group leaders, he said, I want you to meet my son. His name's Wayne. He's doing foster care ministry. And I was like, that's awesome. I'd be glad to meet with him. And he began, when I met Wayne, he began to share his story about how he got involved in foster care. Wayne was serving on staff at a, a church in Loganville and god called he and his wife to foster and they 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 got licensed as a foster family and began uh the process to to get uh certified all the things that you have to do and they got a call one day uh about a little girl she was she was born behind a dumpster in atlanta she had several drugs in her system and they got a call like the the day they got licensed to be a family foster family they got called, they went and picked her up, began to foster her. They already had five biological children, but God called them to foster. They began to serve uh, and take care of that little girl. and then, uh, almost a year later, they got a call about her half-sister that was born in the hospital this time, and uh, they called her they called about her, and Wayne said, "You know, we still got the first one you gave us." That, uh, jo- all joking aside, they went and got her, and they-, they fostered and then adopted. And then through that process, God called them to-, to start Families for Families. And Wayne asked me to be on the board for Families for Families. And then eventually, as God grabbed our heart, mine and my family's heart for foster care, we began to serve full-time with the agency, and that's how we wound up in northwest Georgia. We moved to Calhoun, uh, back in May to start our newest office so that we could reach out and connect with churches and share about the great need and license foster families and do all uh, the things that we could to help serve children in the foster care system. So there, there's a great need in, in this community. There's a great need in this state. There, and, and I want to share you a little bit with you about that need and all that goes in uh, to being a foster parent this morning. That first slide up there, uh, there's a great need in Walker County. Uh, there's 144 children, uh, based on the latest numbers from the state, it, uh, from Walker County that are in the foster care system. Uh, and I'll tell you this, most of those children are not in Walker County right now. And you know why? There's a lack of available foster homes. And, and let me just say this um, as I continue. A lot, of, a lot of times people, when they hear presentations, they hear sermons about foster care. Uh, they're glad to hear it. They're, they're glad to know what's going on. But a lot of times, they'll, they'll, they'll kind of turn me off a little bit because they'll get into the, I can'ts. Well, I can't foster because of this, or I can't do this, or my, my hair's this color, or my hair's that color, or whatever. You know, there's a lot. I've done this. Uh, you know, I've raised my children and all these things. But I, I would just say this. If you don't hear anything else I say today, there's something that everybody here today can do to be part of the solution to the foster care crisis in Walker County, in Northwest Georgia, and in this state. There's something everybody can do. And and if you're wondering what you can do, I'm going to share that in just a moment. But I I want to tell you about the great need. So you think about 144 kids. That's a lot of children. Most of them, again, are not placed in the county because there's not enough foster homes. There's not enough people saying yes to foster care. So what happens? The state looks and sees if they have any available foster homes. If they don't, they contact agencies like ours, and they just begin to look. A lot of it has to do with proximity, whoever's got the closest, the closest available home. But there's not a county in Georgia that has enough foster homes. So kids wind up all over the state. There's kids in northwest, from northwest Georgia that are in Atlanta, that are in Macon, that are in Warner Robins. Now, I know how far away Warner Robins is because I live in Calhoun. There's a Bucky's in Calhoun, and there's a sign that says the next Bucky's is 165 miles away in Warner Robins. But you think about that. How many of y'all grew up in Walker County or lived here most of your life? How many of you? See those hands? That's an easy question, right? But you think about it. You think about a child that enters into foster care, and they have to leave the, the only area that they've known their whole life. They have to leave their family. And regardless of their situation, mama and daddy are still mom and daddy. So they're leaving the only situation they've ever known. And then they they lose their school, they lose their friends, they lose their ball team, they lose their sense of community. And and living in Atlanta or living in Macon or Warner Robins or that far away is a lot different than living in Lafayette, isn't it? So you think about that. You think about what these kids are going through, what they need, and the, the thing we do at Families for Families is we only partner with churches to do foster care ministry. So we license foster families. We do all the training to be a foster family. And then also we provide other opportunities to serve foster families. I want to tell you a little bit um, about foster care in Georgia. You see that number up there, 11,438. Uh, those are the latest numbers for the state. Uh, There's 425,000 children in foster care in the United States. Now usually when you hear that number, you might think about a third world country or somewhere overseas, but that's right here in the United States. Fifty-seven percent of the children in foster care are under the age of eight. Did you know that the Atlanta metro area is the number one city in our nation for trafficking? Uh, Seventy percent of trafficking victims have reported a, a history of foster care. Did you know? that over 700 children age out of the foster care system each year. They turn 18, they've been in the foster care system, they have not uh, been fostered or adopted, or they've gone from foster home to foster home, they've never been adopted. And basically when they're 18, they become homeless. Now you can, when you're 18, you can sign up for uh, five more years in the foster care system, but most 18-year-olds are not signing up for more rules. And they're also not signing up for a system that has failed them their entire lives. So uh, 81% of boys who age out of foster care spend some time in jail. And it's mostly for survival crimes. They're stealing food or steal, or robbing a convenience store so that they can eat. And we don't, certainly don't justify the crimes, but um, it's because a system that's failed them. 71% of girls who age out of the foster care system will find themselves pregnant within a year, and most of those, most of those kids will wind up in the foster care system. So you I go back and tell you a little bit about the Noggle story that their two daughters that they fostered and adopted, uh, their birth mom had seven kids, and, and you think about that. And, and sometimes we want to, uh, uh, unknowingly we might, we might become a little judgmental when we hear those kind of things, but for 13 years she was in the foster care system. When she was five years old, her, her parents brought her to the local DFACS office and said, we can't take care of her anymore. And she bounced around from foster home to foster home until she became 18. She aged out of the system, became homeless, and began to put children into the foster care system. So if we want to we wanna help folks in the foster care system, we want to end um, uh, sex trafficking, uh, a lot of that ties back to doing something about foster care. So there, there is a great need. So probably the most challenging statistic of all the things that I've shared with you so far this morning, you think about that number, that 11,438, did you know that there's twice as many churches in Georgia as are our children in foster care? Did you know that? You start counting the number of churches that you pass every day in this community, in this region, in our state, there's twice as many churches, so if every other church would raise up and support one foster family, we could help put a stop to the foster care crisis. We would go from kids waiting on a a family to Christian families waiting on children. It would be a game changer. Many of you, like me, prayed for years and years and years um, about Roe v. Wade, and it finally got uh, struck down, or the Supreme Court sent it back to the states, and you know, we got the heartbeat law uh, here in Georgia now. Uh, those are great things, but it, it's only going to put more kids into the foster care system is one of the results of it. So we can't just be pro-life or pro-birth. We've got to be pro-life because something happens. You know, as Christians, a lot of times we want kids to be born, mother to, mothers to have their children, uh, and we should always want that. But we've got to do something to help them when they do have the kids. Some of the kids will enter in the foster care system. We're already starting to see more babies enter into the foster care system. And the church needs to to step up for that, to not only be uh, pro-birth, but be pro-life. From 2018 to 2022, 1,800 children went missing out of of the uh, defects, the foster care system, which means this, they removed uh, 1,800 children from the home in those four years and they don't know what happened to them. They just disappeared. Some of them were abducted, some of them were, uh, unfortunately they did identify, let me back up a little bit, they did identify some of them when they went in to, to uh, sex trafficking. So I would just tell you a little bit about our agency. We started again in 2017. Since then we've placed almost 1,000 children in the foster care, out of foster care into Christian homes. We've done 132 adoptions since that time. Um, But I will tell you this, we've only been able to say yes to about one out of every 10. So we placed 226 kids last year, but we said no to almost 2,400 because we didn't have enough foster homes. There wasn't enough. So um, they they were placed by other agencies, or some of them uh, would spend the night in hotels, those kind of things. Uh, There's just a continued need for, for people to step up for churches to say yes, for individuals to say yes to foster care. See, God, that next slide, God has always had a plan. God has always had an answer to take care of children that are in foster care. You know what that is? That's his church. It's us. A lot of times we think about church as the building. Now, y'all remember... If y'all were like me when you were growing up, I hope some of y'all remember this because I'm going to be embarrassed if you don't. You remember when you were little, you say, this is the church, this is the steeple, you open the door and see all the people. Do y'all remember that? Can somebody raise their hand and say they remember that? All right, so good. I'm amongst my people. But that's wrong, isn't it? This isn't the church. This is the church. The people in the pews, the people here. This is the church. So oftentimes we think about buildings and we're, and we're at church and we gather as the church gathered today but we're the church so God's answer isn't a building it's a group of believers that take his word seriously and and they ask the question what can I do to make a difference in the foster care system in Georgia so uh, James 1 says this pure and undefiled religion before God the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. It's one of the only places in the Bible where it talks about pure and undefiled religion. What does it mean to walk with the Lord? What does it mean to, to, to walk in a pure way with God? It's to take care uh, of the widows, but also to visit the orphans. And, and foster, kids in foster care are not orphans in the traditional sense, but for a time in their life, they need somebody to step in for mom and dad. They need somebody to be that parent. They need somebody to take care of them. See, so you see that most people think that kids that are in the foster care system, the kid's done something wrong. But kids enter into foster care because of some kind of abuse at home, whether they've been abused or, or there's drug use in the home. Have y'all noticed that that houses cost a lot more than they used to? Does anybody notice that? We bought a house in Calhoun; it was expensive. You know i think we've got equity in the doorknobs But you think about it how much how much houses cost you know one of the reasons that 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 uh kids enter in the foster care system is because lack of adequate housing down in a in a um in a county a few counties down i was talking to a a, a family court judge and he told me this he said i had a family uh that, that were in danger of losing uh, their kids into the foster care system because they didn't have adequate housing. They found a place to live. They had a guy that was renting out a single-wide trailer, and he put, a, he put a wall down the middle of it and was and was renting out both sides for $850 a month each. That's the only place they could find that they could afford. So you think about kids. You know, we've had, had kids that, that are homeless. They're living in the car with their parents, and they get removed from the home. And then the third reason that kids enter into foster care care um, quite a bit, and it's not the biggest reason, but it is the third reason, is lack uh, of, of, uh, of food in the home or adequate food. They don't have anything to eat. So they, they come into school on Monday morning, and they tell their teacher or their school counselor, we, you know, I didn't eat anything this weekend, and that begins the process. So that, that's how kids enter in the system. They're not orphans, as I said, in the traditional sense, but uh, they need a mom and dad. They need a church family that'll say, what can we do to make a difference? in their lives the bible talks about this It's not only a new testament uh uh, challenge but it's in the old testament as well that next slide up there uh talks about uh exodus 22 22 and 23 so you're not you'll not mistreat any widow or fatherless child if you do mistreat them and they cry out cry out to me i will surely hear their cry now i don't think anybody here uh, seeks to uh, mistreat an orphan or a fatherless child. I don't think anybody would do that. But sometimes when we don't do anything, when we're made aware of a need, and we don't do what we can do, children in our community will suffer. When we don't ask the question, what can I do to make a difference? What can I do to help a child in the foster care system? The next slide, please. You think about these things. Here we are, there's something everybody can do. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about about fostering. Fostering uh, looks like this. Um, If you want to be a foster parent in Georgia, there's training for that, Uh, as you would imagine. uh, We provide all that training uh, at no cost. It's It's a new training, it's called NTDC. Uh, They used to have one, if you're familiar with the foster system, it's called IMPACT, and they're transitioning to a more trauma-informed training called NTDC. We provide all that and then they have a home study where somebody from our office will come to your home. Now, they don't don't come to your home to see if your house is good enough. They're not putting white gloves on when they walk in to see if you dusted behind your refrigerator. They're coming in to let you know what all the rules are to be a foster parent. There's rules about everything. You know there's rules about how you store your toothpaste? So when I tell you there's rules about everything, there's rules about everything. There's rules about... Firearms, there's rules about uh, how you store medicine, there's rules about if you have a pool in your home, there's rules about what a bedroom looks like. All these things, but we're here to help you every step of the way. But what fostering looks like is this. You know when the kids are coming, but you don't know when they're leaving. If a child or children are are placed with you, and we do ask that you be open to taking uh, at least two kids because most of the kids are in sibling groups, as I mentioned earlier. They, they come into your home, and during that time when children are placed in your home, the state is looking for a, a biological relative. They're looking for someone else. If they can't find a biological relative, they call it fictive kin. And a fictive kin may be somebody like a school teacher, or We've had folks that they even lived in the same neighborhood as a child, and they were placed as a fictive kin placement because the child knew who they are. So they're looking for all those things, they're looking for court hearings. If, they, if they're with you for about six weeks, they've got a good chance of being with you for about two years, give or take. Every, every child is different, every court case is different, Georgia is a reunification state, so all the laws are geared towards children being placed back with their biological parents. The next one is, is a respite family. Respite is short-term care, it's the same training, uh, same requirements as being a foster parent. But at short-term care, it's 10 to 15 days a year, maybe as little as one night. My wife and I uh, picked up three children at a, at a DFACS office in a neighboring county. We picked them up, and we brought them to their, uh, to their uh, respite family. Now, uh, at the time, I was driving a Toyota Tacoma. I picked up three kids, and I prayed all the way there that those three car seats would fit on the back seat of my, my, my truck. And we did. We got them in and the door shut and the two kids on the end had, their, had their, arm, their elbows on the armrest, but we got them all in and we got them there safely and they went to the, to the respite family who was watching them overnight because the foster family was at a hockey game with their biological kids and they couldn't get them to the next morning. So they watched them overnight. They spent the night at their house, foster family came and got them the next day. It's also, you may watch kids on the weekend so the foster parents could have a break. Sometimes also we place children with respite families if we've got a family that, that is about to be a licensed foster family, they're waiting for final approval from the state, um, they may be just a week out or a few days out, and children come in to care. And we know that these kids would be a good, good fit with the, uh, with, the, with the foster family that's about to be approved. We'll ask a respite family to take them for a few days and let them stay while we're waiting on that family to be approved. So you think about that, short-term care, long-term care, they're all part of the answer. The next one is support, and this is where most people come in at. You look at that next slide, Uh, we we call it a a banner church model. Uh, If you look at Exodus 17, many of you are probably familiar with that, Joshua is in the valley fighting the Amalekites. It seems like they were always fighting the Amalekites, uh, or some of those ites, but they, they were. joshua's down in the valley fighting the amalekites moses is up on the mountain praying and what is he doing he's got his arms lifted up this is the part of the 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 message where i ask everybody hold their arms up see how long you could do it and nobody ever does oh we got one right there finally had somebody to do it but as anybody would i don't know how long you can hold your arms up i don't know how long you could do it but i don't know how long uh, that moses did it but eventually his arms got tired and what happened when his arms got tired they started losing down in the valley below so the bible says that aaron and her come over and one gets on each side they they hold up moses's arms as he's continuing to pray they set him down on the rock and what happens they're ultimately victorious down in the valley below so moses asks a question he's like well what do i what do i say what happened here like many of you would say well you know god what do i say what happened here and god God instructs them to build an altar to worship him, but he also says this. He said, you tell everybody that the Lord is my banner. The Lord's my banner. So we call this a banner church model, and what that looks like simply is this. We want to hold up the arms of foster families. Did you know that 52% of foster families, of new foster families, quit after the first year because of lack of support? And I would just tell you this. the, The families that foster that I know They're going in it to help kids, so they don't always ask for help because they think they're the ones that are helping. But they need help. I told you that 52% quit every year because of lack of support. We have a 90% retention rate at our agency because of what's on your screen right now. We have people that bring meals to a foster family or they donate a gift card. We have people that are on prayer teams. We have people that are... That are handy that fall into a handyman category and what that looks like this this could be a lot of things we have people that uh, have gone and cut grass for a foster family and and I had somebody one time said why would I go cut grass for a foster family why would I do that how does that help but well, I'll tell you very quickly uh, I know of a, a mom that that was fostering and the little girl that she had the first six weeks she had her, she was. it's not usually like this, but it was, this, it was like this in this case. She was in the hospital the first six weeks that she had her. So every day she was going down to the hospital to take care, take care and be with a little girl so she wouldn't be alone. You think she was worried about her grass at her house? Was her grass a concern? Well, number one, it wasn't a concern because it was priority to take care of the little girl. Number two, the reason it wasn't a concern is because somebody from a local church was cutting their grass every week. So there's, there's one less thing for her to worry about. See, they did what they could do to make a difference. So it's things like hanging a ceiling fan, maybe fixing a minor plumbing issue, doing things around the house to be able to help and support that foster family. So that's one less thing they have to worry about. That's one uh, less plumber or less electrician that they have to, have to hire. And some of y'all your ears are perking up a little bit because you think, well, I can do that. I can do that. We're not going to ask you to rewire the whole house. not going to do anything like that. We've, got, we've had ladies go and do laundry for foster families. Now, we don't discriminate. We've just never had a man volunteer to do laundry. But when I tell you there's something everybody can do, there really is. There's something that you can do. The other part, or continuing in that circle, there's people that can be a babysitter. If you're over 18, have a driver's license so we can do a background check and are uh, CPR certified. You can, you can go pick up the kids for a couple of hours, take them to the park, hang out with them, give the foster family a break. You know, they're going back to that handyman, have y'all ever seen those playground sets from Sam's? Y'all ever seen those? Those things have 18,000 screws. You ever notice that? And that, I, I'm not joking either. Those things have a lot of screws. I think the box for the screws is bigger than the box for the actual playground. But some of y'all would love to put something like that together so the foster family doesn't have to do that. You can, you can, uh, uh, you can watch the kids on the weekend by being a respite. I've already shared about that. Uh, we do a, a monthly date night for all of our foster families. You can volunteer at that. They drop off their foster and biological children so they can have a, a three-hour break. We do that once a month on a on a Friday night, they drop, sometimes they drop off their foster kids and do something with their biological children. Sometimes they drop off their biological children, do something with their, their foster children. Sometimes they drop them all off. The only rule is they have to come back and get the kids. That's the only rule. You've got to come back. Some of them go out to eat. Some of them go home take a nap. They can do whatever they want to. We do birthday bags for children in care. Most, most foster kids have never had a birthday party. so we, we do a birthday bag. We find out if they like Spider-Man, for example. We go get a a bag with all the party supplies. We get them a cake. Uh, We get them gifts. That's an awesome thing for a Sunday school class or a small group to sponsor, those kind of things. Um, We do a big Christmas party every year, and I could go on and on and on. But I want you to know, if you don't hear anything else I say today, there is something that you can do to make a difference in the lives of children in the foster care system. I want to, as I... uh, finish out this morning. I, w- I want to tell you about this week in Georgia. I, I don't know what, what you have planned this week. you got a fellowship tonight. A lot of people are probably going to watch the Super Bowl at some point. Uh, I'm a big calendar guy. i like to. I got appointments. I know a lot of things that I'm going to do this week. But I, I want to tell you what's going to happen this week in Georgia, on average, based on statistics. I told you uh, about the number of children you know it was, it was between twenty eighteen and twenty twenty two there was there was um eighteen about eighteen hundred kids that disappeared out of the system. If you break that down that's a little over four hundred a year so this is the statistics on that and how that breaks down this week in Georgia, two girls who were abused or neglected and placed in defect's custody will end up in trafficking oh on average, eight children will go missing from defects this week. Seven girls will turn 18 and age out of foster care, and five of those will be pregnant within a year. Seven boys will turn 18 and age out of the foster care system. Five of those boys will go to jail for survival crimes. Families for Families will deny 46 children this week on average due to lack of available foster homes. Atlanta will, will remain one of the highest cities in the nation for trafficking. 70% of the girls in trafficking come through the foster care system. So that's what's gonna happen this week in Georgia. And as we meet today, I believe this with all my heart. I believe this church can make a difference in this county and in Northwest Georgia and in our state for foster care. If everybody in here will just say, Lord, what do you want, to, want me to do? To make a difference, what piece of the puzzle can I take and if you 're wondering how you can do that, be back in two weeks we 're going to have a lunch after church, and you can come here more. The first thing the state requires is an information session. If you want to foster or be a respite if you want children placed in your home that 's the first thing the the state requires, and we'll explain the foster care process that The training that you have to do, what that looks like, we'll walk you through every step of the way. And then also, if you want to be a volunteer, if you want to make a difference, if you want to serve families in the community and be part of that banner team that I shared earlier. Our founder, uh, Wayne Noggle, says this. And I'm going to ask Jason if y'all will come forward uh, as we enter in a time of invitation. He says this, you can't change the whole world, but you can change the whole world for one child. And I believe with all my heart that we can do that, that everybody in here can do this. Now, I, I don't know about you, and I'm not here to shine a spotlight on myself. For 25 years, I served on staff at local churches, and now I'm doing foster care ministry full-time. And the reason I do this is it, it didn't start the first day, but when I met Wayne Noggle about 12 years ago, I couldn't unhear un- it. Does that make sense? He made me aware, and God grabbed my heart for foster care. Now, I didn't start out working for him. I just started out, you know, gaining knowledge about what was going on and began to share that. And God just continued to grab my heart for foster care. And I pray he does the same thing for you, that you'll do what you can do to make a difference in the lives of children right here in this community. You never know what... What your obedience will do in the life of a child. You know it, it's it's uh, Super Bowl Sunday, and I, I think about this, and I, I I just want to tell you this very quickly as we enter into a time of invitation. I was out cutting the grass one day, and it's hot. It's during summertime. This was a few years ago. And I was cutting the grass, and I, I'd finished cutting the grass, and I was weed eating, and and I it was just hot. There's a lot of grass to cut, and I was wanting to get done, I was wanting to go inside, and then this car pulled up in the driveway, and there was four ladies in it, and they pulled up, and they let the window down right beside me, I, I was just kind of thinking they were going to pull up, I was down towards the end of the driveway, I thought they may have just been turning around, or, or needed directions or something, but they needed, what they really needed was a different kind of direction. They never got out of the car, but they began To share with me they were they were uh, from the local uh, Jehovah's Witness and they began to share with me uh, and you know I listened to them I was kind of glad almost so I could stop weed-eating for a second I was ready to go back inside and they began to share with me and you know really false doctrine is what it boils down to and when they got done I looked at them. I looked at the lady because I was closest to the one that was driving and I said you like football and she said she was kind of think i surprised her like i probably just surprised some of y'all and she said yeah we like football my husband likes football Uh, and i said well what's your favorite team she's like well we we like atlanta and i'm like we long-suffering football fan then she said but my husband's from the pittsburgh area and he likes the pittsburgh steelers and i was like man i like the i'm a falcons fan and I, i like pittsburgh steelers too let me tell you why I'm a, I'm a big Georgia Bulldog fan, and all God's people said, go dogs." I said, and I like the Pittsburgh Steelers because there was a guy, when I was growing up, this guy named Hines Ward that played for Georgia. And he was my favorite player when he was at Georgia. So, and if y'all don't remember, one year he, I guess they didn't have any good players because one year uh, he, played, he played running back, one year he played quarterback, and then one year he played wide receiver. You know, I guess they didn't recruit well back, back in those days like they do now. And then he got drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I said, So I became, I didn't know much about Pittsburgh, but I, I became a Pittsburgh Steelers fan because I like Heinz Ward. Now, I could tell you all kinds of things about Heinz Ward even more than I, what I told you. And I, I began to tell her a few statistics, and I said, you know, the, the one thing, I can tell you all these things about Heinz Ward, but I pulled out my phone, and I said, you know what? Heinz Ward, I don't have his number in my phone. I can't call him, so I know a lot about him, but I don't know him. And you know, I began to share with them, I said, a lot of people are like that with Jesus. They know a lot about Jesus, but they don't really know him. And the good thing is that God gave us a way to know Jesus, because Jesus came and lived a a sinless life on our behalf. Jesus had a public ministry where he, he taught everybody that he was the Messiah and what salvation really looks like and that we could know him. And he even wrote it down for us so that we might know who Jesus is and the pathway to salvation is only found through him. So I asked them the same question that I'm going to ask you all. Do you know about Jesus, or do you know Jesus? The Bible says that today is the day of salvation, and you can know him as your personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross for our sin. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. So I'm gonna ask if you would, would you stand with me? Pastor Derek's gonna be right down front. An invitation simply is this. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If you don't, come down and talk to your pastor. Leave here today knowing that, that, you, that you don't know about Jesus, but you know him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing in, in, in the lives of children in the foster care system. Lord, thank you for this church. And Lord, just pray for this time of invitation. Lord, if there be anybody here that doesn't know you, that they would come to know you in a real way. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.